0: Well, let's pray. Let's get into the Word this morning. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank You for this day. Lord, we thank You for Your precious, holy, written Word. Father, we receive this as the very Word of God, Father. We mix it with faith, Lord, and it is productive in our lives. Lord, it profits us. Lord, You've said in Hebrews that the Word of God can profit us if we mix it with faith. And so, Lord, we esteem what we're about to hear as Your Word. And, Lord, we purpose in our heart that we will receive it and mix it with faith and it will be profitable in our life. It will move mountains. It will change circumstances. It will bring healing about in bodies. It will cause financial situations to turn around. Lord, as we seek first the kingdom of God and Your righteousness, You're showing Yourself mighty on our behalf. Lord God, we just thank You for the people. We thank You for their hearts. Lord God, that their hearts are good ground that receives the seed of the Word and it brings forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Father, we thank You that You confirm the Word with signs following. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. You just get your healing while we're preaching. Amen. amen. We can lay hands on you, but we shared this last week, Sister Rosalie. A week before, I believe. You know, we were uh, preaching the word, and about halfway through the sermon, she got healed in her back. Praise God. That's what we pray. Confirm the word with signs following. Amen. Well, this week uh, we're continuing a series that we started last week. Um. Becoming disciples of Jesus. Becoming disciples of Jesus, and uh, last week we taught the first part of the cost of being a disciple, and uh, we want to take a look at that again. And we're going to read this quote. We want to keep this before you. Quote that uh, of Doctor Miles Monroe. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose, life with the wrong priorities. Life's greatest challenge is knowing what to do. The greatest mistake in life is to be busy, but not effective. Life's greatest failure is to be successful in the wrong assignment. Success in life is measured by the effective use of one's time. Amen? Amen. How many of y'all know we just need to confess, Lord, we're not people without purpose. We know our purpose. If you don't know it, it's being revealed to us. Lord, you're revealing your purpose to us. Huh? Lord, we know what to do because your Spirit reveals things to us. The Word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that God reveals things to us. The deep things of God are revealed by His Spirit. Amen? Huh? Lord, thank you that, we're, like Paul said, you know, we're busy, we're not busy, but we're effective. Huh? Remember Paul said, I'm not like one who beats the air? Huh? I'm not like one that's just out punching, the shadow boxing and punching the air? Uh huh? We're not that way. We're not people that just, you know, this thing, if we're going to run this race, we're not going to be on a treadmill. Because you can run, you can run on a treadmill. Pastor Earl likes to use the example of a hamster wheel. We're not those people. How many of y'all know a hamster can get in a hamster wheel and he can run, 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 run until he needs to get off and get a drink of water and get one of those little green little hamster balls to eat? Right? And guess what? He's expended a lot of energy. He's been busy. He might even have a little hamster sweat dripping off his hair. Drip, drip, drip. But has he done anything? No. Exhausted himself? We're not those kind of people, are we? We don't do that. We hear from the Holy Spirit. Praise God. The greatest failure in life is to be successful at the wrong assignment. How many of y'all, you've got gifts and talents in you that I remember my pastor in Huntington used to say that the devil used to talk to you. How many of y'all the devil ever talked to you? Huh? I ain't talking about your spouse either. Glory to God. You know, those negative thoughts that come to you, usually along the way, well, you're a loser. It ain't never going to work for you. Yeah, God did it for somebody else, but he ain't going to do it for you. You know those kind of thoughts? How many, how many of y'all know that that the enemy will talk to you and he'll tell you that that you're not you're not successful. You're not going to make it. But we can be successful. We can hear the Holy Ghost. We can be successful in our assignment. Amen. And our assignment, if Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, our assignment is to be Disciples, Amen. Can we just review a little bit. Last week we talked about. Well, first of all, what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, a disciple—the word literally means a pupil or a learner. And the fact that there's a disciple or a teacher—I mean, or, or a pupil or a learner or a follower—it implies you—you you can't have a follower if there's not a leader, right? You can't have a pupil if there's not a teacher. You can't have a disciple if there's not a master. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, we want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter sixteen. We have two main texts that we're going to continue to look at as we go as we continue to teach this series, Matthew chapter sixteen. And as we mentioned last week, this follows right after we had done three weeks of teaching on uh, on uh, on. Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One, His anointing. We come, on down. and Didn't realize it until after I had prayed, studied out, and got the scriptures for this. That this was dovetailing perfectly with what the sermon. You know, what Peter, when Peter, when Jesus asked his disciples, "Who do men say that I am?" Peter said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus told him, "You're blessed, Simon, because Barjona, because flesh and blood's not revealed to you. In other words, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's revealed that to you." who Jesus was. Well, we read on down, and we're here in Matthew 16. Look into verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or what will a man give in exchange for his soul for the son of man will come in the glory with his father and with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works and just hold your place there because we're going to come back and make some comments john chapter eight john chapter eight starting with verse thirty one then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen? Turn back to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read through here. We're going to make some comments, and we're going to move on into some new stuff. We're going to reiterate some stuff. Notice this. That last week we said that, that it is a requisite. How many of y'all know what a requisite is? In other words, if you ever went to college, if you ever took any classes, or if you've ever filed any, attempted to file any type of paperwork with the government or with work or whatever, and you go to do something, it says, well, there's a prerequisite. Something that has to be done before you try to do what you're doing. How many of y'all know if you want to go to college before you... You can't just go and show up and find out when classes start and go show up and go sit down in the class. There's some prerequisites you have to do. You have to find, you have to pay your tuition. You have to register for the class to make sure there's seats for you to set in. There's, there's enough room in the class. Some classes you'll want to take in college. How many of you know it doesn't, you can't do it and neither does it make sense to try to take chemistry two if you've never taken chemistry one. Right? Why? Because chemistry one is a prerequisite. It's something that is required that has to be done. And so we mentioned this last week that it is a requisite, Jesus said here in, in Matthew, back in Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, what's he talking about? Being a disciple. If anybody wants to be my disciple, if anyone wants to come uh, after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That it is a requisite if we are going to be disciples of Jesus, Self-denial is a requisite. Pastor Cheyenne and I were talking about this uh, last night, that no one, if you tell me that in your entire Christian walk, there's never came a time where you've denied yourself anything. We can read about someone in the Bible that, that fared sumptuously every day. He didn't deny himself anything. Amen, and we know where that guy ended up, right? In other words, he didn't withhold anything he desired from himself. Now, I'm not saying that people that don't deny themselves aren't saved. We're going to get to some stuff. Amen. We're gonna we're gonna get in some stuff, amen. But what I'm saying is is that Jesus, let me read let me read this to you. The goal of the disciple is to be like The master, right? How many of y'all know? We've heard, read example. How many of y'all know? I'll use Star Wars. Everybody knows Pastor loves the Star Wars movies. How many of y'all know that in Star Wars there was a Jedi master, and then there was what they called a Padawan learner. There was some, and the goal of the Padawan wasn't to grow up and be forty years old and still have that funky little pigtail thing going down the side of their head because they were still a little Padawan learner, right? What was the goal? The goal of being a disciple is that the intention is I will be like the Master. I am going to learn from the Master and I am going to be like the Master one day. Matthew ten twenty four: a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. That is the goal. That is the purpose of being a disciple. Okay? I understand it. I'm going to give you one more verse. Luke 6, starting with verse 39. Luke 6, 39. Let's turn there real quickly. Luke six thirty nine 39. It says, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall in the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfect, King James Version says, everyone who is perfect, scratch this from your mind, when we hear the word perfect, we think flawless, without any problems. But the New King James Version says, says a disciple is not above his teacher, for everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. When we are perfectly trained, we will be just like the teacher. Amen? Like the master. You understand that is God's... That, that is His will. That's His intention. You read on in this passage... Man, let me go back here because that's good. I don't want to miss that. Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Read this. Sometimes it does us good to read stuff in the Bible in its context. Because we can cherry pick stuff out of its context and make it say stuff that it really doesn't listen to this. He's talking about being his disciples and being like the Master. He says, he says, and when, uh, it says that you will be, the, the disciple's not above his teacher, but when you are perfectly trained, you'll be like a teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the, the plank in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck that's in your eye, uh, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and this is the part where people miss it. How many of you have ever heard people, you're trying to help people, you're trying to disciple people. You're trying to give somebody advice and, and telling them things might be harmful or detrimental in their life. And they go, well you hypocrite, I know you got, you you're, you ain't got all your stuff together, you old hypocrite, why don't you get the plank out of your own eye? Well how many of y'all know that's a good word? Let's get the plank out of our own eye. But let's read the rest of it too. It says, get the plank from your own eye, comma, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. So let's put it in this context. The purpose of being disciples of Jesus is so that we get the plank out of our eye so that we're able to help others get the speck out of theirs. Let's put it this way. Let's put it another way. Go ye into all the world and make disciples of all men, preaching the gospel of all men, making disciples of all nations, making disciples. The purpose of us being disciples is that we become like the Master so that we can go out and we can make disciples. So that we're like the Master and we make disciples of people. Amen? You need to understand this. Jesus said back in Matthew, we're looking at Matthew 16 again, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself. If you're going to be a disciple, there are going to be things in your life that you have to say no. If you're obedient... You're going to, have to say no. Now it doesn't mean, and you understand. I'm not talking about. Oh well, you know, I don't go out and drink and party, and I don't, you know, run around with wild people, and I don't. Hello, that's just part of being a child of God. That comes with the, You know, you understand. I don't win any kudos from my wife for not cheating on her. That's an expectation. What I'm talking about is when I'm, and so when I'm saying deny yourself. Now, understand, your flesh will have desires that are contrary to the will of God. The Bible tells us over in the book of Romans, you know, the flesh is at war with the Spirit, and the two, you know, they're against each other. But what I'm talking about is, if you'll follow your spiritual nature as a, belief, as a child of God, your, your spiritual nature shouldn't even want to do that. It ought to just be your flesh talking to you, and you ought to grow to the point where when your flesh goes, give me that, you know, let's go, you know, let's go out and get drunk. No, we ain't going out and getting drunk. Oh, let's go out and have a cigarette. We have that cigarette. My body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. I ain't gonna have that. When you're bowing, when your mind says, oh, let's just go and let's just tongue lash somebody and, and just talk about them real good. I ain't gonna do that. We ain't gonna do that. What I'm talking about is you understand that deny yourself. We're not talking about just stuff that you do to be a believer. I'm talking about I've said this for Pastor Cheyenne, she inspires me. She'll set sometimes I've seen her when she rarely eats dessert, be eating the dessert and right in the middle of it. It'd be a small portion anyway, maybe two bites into it, and the Holy Spirit speak to her and say, You d- that's enough. Put it down. She'll put the spoon down and leave it alone. Now I'm not saying Pastor Cheyenne's perfect. Amen. Ain't none of us perfect, right? But what I'm saying is that is inspiring that we get to that point. Is there, is, are you going to go to hell for eating a bowl of ice cream? <laughs> Probably not, she says. Amen. Eat too many of them, your waistline might look like it. Amen. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Amen. But what I'm saying is when we're talking about denying yourself, You understand, this is the place where, and a lot of believers don't want to get to this point because I'm going to drop something on you that there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. Not all believers are disciples. Not all believers are disciples. So you're just going to have to give me some word on that, Pastor. I will give you some word on it because I don't say it if I don't have some word, right? Not all believers are disciples. But when you are a disciple, it comes from the word discipline. Training. I train myself to do something. I discipline myself. And so you understand there are lots of things that God wants to train you and condition you in that is you specific. And this, see, this is where you can't get dogmatic about stuff, about some things. What I can get dogmatic about is is you better find out what God's will is for you and what God's program is for you Okay, let's put this way. Weight loss. How many of y'all know there are a million different diet plans out there that you can get on, and you can lose weight? You can go do weight watchers, you can count points, you can go uh, get lap band, you can go get gastric bypass, you can do but all it boils right down to, there's a plethora of different weight loss plans. What it boils right down to always is what you put in that hole underneath your nose. Right? How many of y'all know that and any of them can work. You can't be dogmatic. You can't say Weight Watchers is the only thing that works. All the rest of it is just false doctrine. South Beach Diet is an abomination. It's a. It's fa-. you can't say that because some people Weight Watchers works for best. Some people South Beach Diet's what works for us. Some people it's the cabbage soup and water and go jog for two hours a day diet that does it. Right. What I'm saying is is. Is, if weight loss is the goal, there's lots of different ways that you can achieve the goal. Okay? So let's bring it back over to the spiritual. If becoming a true disciple, if becoming a true disciple of Jesus is the goal, as many different people as there are on the earth, there's that many different ways that God wants to mold you as a disciple. But it all boils right down to, going back to the diet example, it boils down to self-denial. Because remember the diet. There's a thousand different ways to lose the weight, but it all boils right down to whatever path you take. Eventually, it intersects with what you stick in that hole below your mouth. Well, how many of y'all know there is a plethora of different ways to be a disciple and to be the disciple that God wants you to be? But it all eventually boils right down to denying yourself, because yourself is going to want to do something different. And I'm yourself. How many of y'all yourself, your flesh, want to stay up in the bed this morning? Your flesh wanted to stay in the bed, right? But you how many of you know, You praise God, everybody, we can applaud ourselves, we that are here. You denied yourself and you got here. How many of y'all know that when we're talking about denying yourself, I'm not even talking about, it doesn't even have to be something bad. Oh man, we thank you Lord. You need to realize when we're talking about, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus... You have got to deny yourself. And that doesn't even mean that the thing itself that He tells you to deny is not necessarily bad. Now, it may be. Some people might not have a problem with watching a particular TV program, and someone else, the Holy Spirit, might say, you don't need that. Now, you understand I'm not talking about smut and filth. Nobody needs to watch it. Nobody that professes holiness needs to just be pumping yourself full of smut and filth. Okay? Can we agree on that? Can we at least agree on that? But what I'm talking about is just a, a show that, that, you know, perhaps it causes you, it, it, it causes you to think a, a different way to someone's. It's just, it just boils right down to this, is that you don't have a check in your spirit. Now you need to make sure that the reason you don't have a check in your spirit is because you're just turning a deaf ear to the Holy Ghost. Because how many of y'all know a lot of people we can train ourselves just go, oh, I don't hear nothing, I don't hear nothing. That's because you're walking around spiritually going, blah, 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 Don't hear nothing, don't hear nothing, don't hear nothing, don't hear Blah, 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 blah. And that's why you don't hear anything. Now, you need to check yourself and make sure that that's not what you're doing spiritually. Make sure your finger's out of ears. Make sure you're not going blah, 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 blah. But that you're putting forth an effort to be sensitive to what the Spirit says to you. But the Spirit doesn't tell you anything. If it's not just pure smut and trash, if you don't get a check on it, well, this is the thing. Just because because you don't like watching monster truck races doesn't give you a right to come and say, Pastor, I just can't believe you're so ungodly as to watch those ungodly truck races. Don't you know they they drink beer at those things? How many of you all know? And I'm using that as a ridiculous example but how many of y'all know? There's believers that try to to impose, and that's the thing. You understand? Some of it might just be as you grow. You might have bigger fish to fry that the Holy Ghost is trying to clean you up with. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so you're watching, you know, a little bit of smut on TV that probably that probably ain't that beneficial to you. Holy Ghost is just saying, you know what? We'll deal with that later. Let's put the let's put the fire out before we remodel the kitchen. <laughs> Amen. So what I'm saying is is that so. There is a thing where you didn't deny, and it might even be a good thing. How many of y'all know? We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some stuff. Man, glory to God. How many of y'all know? How many of us think, is it good to preach the gospel? Is it a good thing? Does God want us to preach the gospel? Did he say, go unto all the world and preach the gospel? He did. Do you know that there are sometimes And it is in the Word when even though Jesus said go into all the world, He didn't mean everybody go into into all the world yourself and preach the gospel. Because there are instances in the Bible in Acts chapter 16, there are two places recorded where Paul wanted to go to two different cities and preach and the Holy Ghost forbade him to go. But I thought we were supposed to preach the gospel, Pastor. I thought we were going to just preach it everywhere. Go into and, and the whole world and preach, but be led by the Holy Ghost. The same Jesus that said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, also said, don't cast your pearl before the swine, lest they turn on you and tear you to pieces. How many people that have went out on the field to serve as missionaries have checked their bags at the door and went on home to be with Jesus before their, before their assignment on the earth was fulfilled because they went someplace where the Holy Ghost never told them to go? Maybe He even, I dare would even say, that He told them not to go there, but they just overrode it. Or they turned the... No, I'm going to all the world and preaching the gospel. I say, Pastor, that just seems hard. I just thought we were supposed to go everywhere and do it. Some things... Uh, Paul wanted to. He had the desire to go preach the gospel to those two cities, but he, because he listened to the host, he had to deny himself. So... This thing of self-denial, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but to get it clear to us is that if we are disciples, you are not. Do not tell me I'm a disciple of Jesus, but I've never, but I've never had to deny myself not one time. No, don't, you're never going to convince me you're a disciple. You might be a believer, but you're not a disciple because a disciple means that you, you, you discipline yourself. Jesus said, "Turn to Second Timothy chapter two, real quick." Second Timothy chapter two. I'm gonna start with verse one. Second Timothy two. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What's grace, benefit, and favor? Well, I thought it was unmerited. It's benefit and favor. It's a given that you didn't deserve it. Don't don't get into that poor little worm mentality and false humility. Oh, it's unmerited favor. That's a given. The word grace means benefit and favor. Be thou for my son, be strong in the benefit and favor that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me and many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach other. Hmm, Sounds like Paul's talking about making disciples. You therefore must endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Amen? We're going to stop right there. How many of you all know that, that if someone is a soldier, why do, we, why do people in general, unless you're a, a flower child, hippie freak, tree hugger, Why do people in general admire people in the military? They've got the cut, they've got the uniform, they carry themselves a certain way. Their behavior and their lifestyle demonstrates that they have submitted themselves to a discipline. They live a disciplined life, and people are drawn to that. They are something about what they say: women love a man in uniform. Why? Because whether it because sometimes you can wrap stuff up. You can gift-wrap something, but it's still whatever it is. <laughs> right? But it at least gives the appearance that someone, it, a uniform and the way someone carries it, it typically represents discipline. And you know people who have went into the military, they don't do whatever they want to do. How many of you all know, How many has anybody here ever been in the military? When you are in the military, they told you when to get your happy self up, didn't they? You'll get up and you'll be happy about it. No, I want to hit the snooze bar. Ain't no snooze bar. Get yourself up out the bunk. Up to, up to, up to. You don't go to the mess tent and say, oh, I'd like a couple of biscuits with sausage gravy and some eggs over easy. And uh, uh, Slop. There it is. That's what you're eating. You get yourself up when we tell you to get up. You're going to eat when we tell you to get up. You're going to shower yourself when we tell you to shower. You're going to run ten miles when we tell you to I don't want to run ten miles. I want to walk half a mile. You're going to run ten Up too, soldier. Why? And if you're smart, you do it, right? Why? You are submitted to a discipline that you might have buddies that they still laid up at the house. They still living with mama, and you being trained to fight in the military. They still laid up at mama's house playing playing video games and eating Cheetos till two o'clock in the morning and laying in bed till ten. <laughs> Clayson, that sounds good to me, all right? Huh? But when someone's in the military, and this is the thing, you don't go, you know, getting in. You don't go sign contracts to go work for for other people while you're in the military, do you? Why? Because you belong to Uncle Sam, baby. Was it some movie? They said you can give your heart to Jesus, but your backside belongs to the U.S. government. What was it, Hamburger Hill or something? Don't watch it. That's years ago. It's a bad movie. So you can get the drill sergeant that said, You can give your heart to Jesus, but your behind belongs to me. Huh? Why? Because you're in the military and you're not at liberty to just do whatever you want to. There's a term you can, if you want to, decide I'm gonna do what I want to do when I wanna do it, and I'm gonna wait till it gets dark, and I'm gonna sneak up out of here. And there's a term that they use that and it's called a wall absent without leave. And the government does not smile upon it. Well, how many of you all know there are too many believers who are AWOL because they've knelt at an altar, they've they've driven down the road and cried out to God. Someplace, maybe it was beside their bed, someplace they cried out and said, Jesus, I want You to be my Lord. And they get saved and they go, whoo, hallelujah, I am not going to hell, I have been redeemed, Woo! I'm not going to hell when I die. And, so I'll ch- and then they check out and say, well, I'll see you in the rapture. See you when I die, Jesus. See you in the rapture. Or when the tire blow- when I have a flat in my life. The little church I grew up in, they said, don't you make the mistake of thinking that God is your spare tire. God, out of His mercy and His grace and His goodness... He'll help you out when you get in your mess. But I'm going to tell you what. The Bible also says his spirit's not always going to strive with man. And the Bible says, don't be deceived, God's not mocked. Don't think just because he, he bailed you out of your mess a couple of times that it's always going to be, he's always going to make it easy for you. matter of fact, some of your messes you might get yourself in, he might let you struggle to get out of it so you learn a good old lesson and you don't get right back into the same thing. But I thought he loved me. He does. Teaching you some stuff, but anyway, discipline. A soldier, a good soldier, doesn't get entangled with the affairs of this life. They're in a regiment of discipline. I get up. I do this. I do that. I eat this. I yes, drill sergeant. No, drill sergeant. Yes, sir, drill sergeant. Right? They do something. They're disciplined. An athlete. He said. He said that he said no one competes in athletics, and 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 you understand that the context of athletics we're not talking like your company flag football team or the four man scramble golf team. Amen. We're talk, when he's talking about athletics, he's talking about Olympic grade athletics. How many of y'all know that um, if you are in training to compete in the in the Olympics and you are a seriously trained athlete? you got a you get up at a certain time if you're a swimmer man you're in the pool while while other people are sleeping you are finishing lap number 50 in the pool when other when other people are knocking down you know pizza hut buffet trip number 4 and their third mountain dew you eating a salad with a little bit of olive oil and some red wine vinegar on it huh what what am i saying is that the people who are in the military and who are athletes, they live markedly different lifestyles than the general population. Why? Because they are called and set apart. They have disciplined themselves. They have become a disciple. They are submitting to a regiment of training. This is one definition of discipline where we get the word disciple is to be submitted to a regiment of training. And you understand that there is a purpose in the training. Stay with me long enough. Some people... See, this type of teaching right here, you ain't going to get a whole lot of... Woo! Amen! i, I very serious. I will be shocked if anybody jumps up and runs a lap around sanctuary while I'm teaching this. But stay with... Because... Why? Because we're talking about taking your flesh and... Ting! 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 ting and crucifying it. And that's what we are called to. And if you stay with me long enough, there is a Benefit. This is the thing that we need, to, we need to condition ourselves. We need to stop being this what's-in-it-for-me mentality in the church. If you, if you see that stuff in your life, man, you need to just curse it and command it and repent and change your mind about it. Because remember, repent means to change the way you think. And we as believers, we are called to a lifestyle of repentance. We should always be changing the way we think. Why? Because that's called renewing our mind to the Word. Get out of this what's in it for me mentality. Do you know that it, there's no nobility in only doing good just because there's a reward? If if you find a wallet with money in it and a driver's license and the only reason you call the person up to give them the wallet back is because you're thinking maybe they'll give me a reward. You're just motivated by what's in it for me. Might as well just take the money out and throw the wallet back down hope somebody else finds it. We need to make sure that our mentality is not a what's in it for me mentality i'm only going to well i I know god wants me to do that but i'll do it what you know what's in it for me if i do it well you understand this the bible says that though that they that come with god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him god is a rewarder but you know what sometimes as children how many of us when you raise your kids and you're raising your children how would it make you feel if the only reason your kid did what was right was because they were anticipating some kind of little goody, some kind of little reward and you, and if there wasn't any incentive for them to do it they didn't want, would that cause you to question their inter- their character? Would that make you sad to think I have fathered or I have given birth to and raised someone that will not do what's right unless they know that there's an incentive for them? Now, like I said, I'm not saying that there's not a reward. God most certainly is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God will bless you. But some things we just need to do because it is the right thing to do. And let's just be real honest about it. If God don't do jack diddly for you the rest of your life, and you just don't go to hell when you die, He done did plenty for you, right? So when we're talking about being a disciple, this is a... This is a hard teaching. Why? Because it makes your flesh uncomfortable. Right? Stay with me because there is a benefit, but don't fall into the mindset of I only want to do it because there's a benefit. Right? So you understand this. So anyway, back in Matthew chapter 16. Whew. There's a lot in this, y'all. For whosoever... Let's see. Anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. If we're going to be disciples, there is a denying of self and taking up your cross. Now, you understand this, that your cross is not just the burdens of life. You hear some people say, well, that's just the cross that I've got to bear. Somebody is dealing with chronic sickness in their body um, or uh, family members that are causing them grief. They go, well, that's just my cross to bear. No, it's not. That might be a burden that you have. This is, you want to know what the cross is? What was the cross to Jesus? The cross was Jesus' assignment on the earth. The cross, Jesus was born for this purpose. He came into the world. He came that He was going to be crucified on the cross, that He was going to shed His blood, that He was going to be placed in the tomb. When He rose on the third day, He was going to come up out the grave victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And all of humanity in the eyes of God, when Jesus came out of the grave, all of mankind was resurrected in God's eyes because salvation was made available for everyone. So the cross was Jesus' assignment on the earth. So when Jesus is saying, you've got to deny yourself and pick up your cross, He's saying, you deny yourself, you find out what your assignment is in the earth, and you pick it up daily. Not weekly. (laughs) Not monthly. Every day. You pick it up. If God said that my cross, my assignment on the earth is to be a minister of the gospel, then that means every day I get up I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give me a revelation so that when I stand before a congregation and speak, that I've got more than just little funny little email stories that were forwarded to me or some little three-point little sermon I pulled up off the Internet just to give you all something to listen to because it don't matter. We're just here to do a religious duty and take up an offering that I have words to speak and that the words have power and that the words have anointing on them because I've spent time pursuing that because I've picked up my cross every day and i followed after Him. And that might not be your cross. Your cross might be to go to a place of business where God's called you to work. You've been gifted with a particular set of skills that other people don't have. Huh? You might be really good with math and numbers and taking account of stuff. And guess what? God says, I've called you. Your cross is to take the gifts and talents that I've placed in you. And you go into a business and you are a representative. You are a light shining in darkness. And all you do, you just live for me. But that's your assignment. Because there's people there that your pastor ain't never going to minister to. That ain't never going to hear a word that comes out of your pastor's mouth. You can take them a CD. They ain't never going to listen to it. But they'll, they're watching you. What's your assignment on the earth? Because that's your cross. Jesus said, you pick up your cross and you follow me. Amen? It goes on down and he says, for whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I studied this out a little bit last night and that word lose, you know, it means to destroy fully. Up there, It says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. He will de- you will destroy, comp- fully destroy your life. If God is saying, look, I bought you, I'm your Lord, I own you. Now, you need to progress on from believer to disciple because I doubt that I'm going to have time to get today, but I'll just go ahead and I'll give you the punchline on it. The difference between a believer and a disciple is a believer is a baby. And a disciple is someone who's grown up, who has abided in the Word and is growing up and being a doer of the Word. There is a difference. Are both saved? Yes. Do they both have the same daddy? Yes. Is Clay my child? Yes, he is. Is Savannah my child? Yes, she is. But Savannah sucks from a bottle and she poo-poos her diaper. Clay eats food. And Clay goes potty by himself. Why? What's the difference? Well, they're both my child. One is just at a different stage of development. But you understand this is that it is not God's will, and it's not my will as a father for 20 years from now for my daughter to still be wearing diapers and sucking a bottle. It is not God's will for us as his children to 20 years from now still be sucking uh, sucking on a spiritual bottle and not growing up. And there's only two reasons that that don't happen. Because first of all, God don't have no deformed children. There's no birth defects in the kingdom, right? So there's only two reasons: one, either you're not being fed, or two, you're not eating. Amen. And so you understand this is that it says Jesus said, if you try to 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 save your life, in other words, if you try to hold on back to your life and say, okay, God, I'm going to give you this part, but the rest of this is mine. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to with it. You will utterly destroy your life. That's what that word lose means. It means to destroy it fully. Jesus said, if you lose it for, the, uh, for Jesus' sake and the Gospels, you'll find it. In other words, if you just abandon, if you deny yourself, you're going to find your life. Now, I thought this was interesting. Verse 26 For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The casual reading, you missed some stuff here. Do you know? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we were talking about. I, I suppose that lose means to destroy, full, destroy fully, Pastor. No, no. The word in verse 25 when it says whenever a man desires to save his life, you'll lose it. That word lose is not the same word that's translated lose in verse 26. It's a different word. It's a different word. And that word means <coughs> to lose your life. Verse 26, it says, for what profit is a man if he gains the whole world? And this is what lose means. It means... <coughs> To injure or experience detriment, because see, this is what we think when we read this—the casual reading of this and the casual interpretation of this—is, oh, you know, uh, you know, if I seek to save my own life, I'll lose it, and what would it profit a man if he'd gain the whole world and lose his soul? And so many believers—and this is where this is where believers, not disciples, this is where believers will say, "Yep, it sure would be a shame." if I gained everything in the world and I died and I went to hell, and that is not what this Scripture is talking about. Now, that might be part of it, but that is not the bulk of what this Scripture is saying. It says, what would it profit a man if you'd gain the whole world and do injury or cause to experience detriment your own soul? It ain't talking about going to hell. What good does it do for a believer that God has got an assignment on the earth that there is a particular assignment that God has gifted you, molded you the experiences in your life that even when the devil was trying to put you through the meat grinder of hell and destroy you, God's saying my hand's on them and they're not going to turn their back on me. My grace is going to sustain them through this and if they'll just let me hold them, I'll hold them and if they'll just go through the battle and they'll just stay with me those wounds that they have now will be scars one day. They'll be a testimony to my faithfulness and I'll be able to use them and they're going to come up out some junk that somebody else didn't go through and they're experience and their experience of my grace in their life to sustain them along with the gifts and the anointings I've placed in them is is customizing them for their assignment on the earth God has got an assignment for you, but this is the thing. If we would, if we fail to discipline ourselves and deny ourselves and pick up our assignment and follow after Him, then what good does it do if you gain the whole world? You don't deny, you don't withhold anything from yourself. You go after it with gusto, you do all that you can to do it, and you gain the whole, and just say you're quote, successful at it. How many of y'all know God's got a different definition of success compared to the devil? But you're successful at it. You gain the whole world and you cause injury or cause to experience detriment your own soul. You might still die and go to heaven. We mentioned this last week. But you're going to stand before the king, the one who owns you, and he's going to judge your works with fire. And everything in your life that's wood, hay, stubble, and all this flammable stuff that can just burn up. It's just chaff just to be thrown in the oven and burned up. It's going to be gone. And what's left is what did you do for the assignment that I put you in the earth to do? What good did it do? Yeah, you didn't go to hell. Yay! Is that really all you want your life to be? Is You didn't have to go to hell when you died? I want, when I stand before Him, I was, I was about to weep the other day, praise God, give me opportunities to advance your kingdom. I'm not happy just sitting here and coming to, praise God that I can come and sit in the office and I can read and I can get in the Word and I can feed myself and I can come and I can minister the Word. But God, there's got to be more because you've put more in me than what I'm even able to release here. God, give me opportunities. And that ought to be the prayer of all of us. God, give me opportunities because I don't want to come before You on that day and stand before You and my life be judged. Not whether I go to heaven or hell. That was settled when I made Jesus Lord. But I don't want to stand before You and my whole life been busy, but not effective, and stand before you, and my life and my works be tried by fire, and it's all burned up, and I don't have nothing to show you. I spent all my time on life pursuing my own things, and not doing anything for you. I don't want that! Now some people can live that way. Some people, well as long as I don't go to hell, that's all I want. Good for you, darling! Maybe you'll be the lawn, maybe you'll be the lawn man at my mansion. But I want more than that, and it's not so I can say, look what Brian's done. It's because God's made an investment in me, God's made an investment in you, and you are, you are of tremendous, you are of much more value than what you even begin to think. There's not a company on the face of the planet that can pay you what you're really worth. Because God has placed, and you will never How many of y'all know that you do not dig gold out of the ground in coins or bullion? It has to be dug up. It has to be refined and impurities removed. And then it's the nice little shiny gold. It's the stuff we'll go and buy to hang around our neck or put it on our fingers. How many of y'all know that diamonds don't just come out of the ground with all those little cuts on them and ready just to be put on a ring? They got to get them out of the ground. They got there has to be work to get it out of the ground, and there has to be work done to that diamond to cut it and to cut angles into and to put the shape on it that makes it appealing to people. That it'll reflect the light the right way. How many of y'all know that God has put those things in you, but but you are only going to be refined by how much you allow yourself to be submitted to the discipline of God. In Second Timothy, where he said, he said, if someone, if you'll cleanse yourself, Paul lists these things in life, really, that are just distractions. And he says, if you cleanse yourself from these things, you make yourself a vessel that's suitable for the master's use. He says, in a great house, there's, there are vessels of wood and of clay. And those are for ignoble uses. But then there's vessels of gold and silver, things that you set before the king, things that you set before great men. Things that people look at and they're in awe at its beauty and that's what God wants us to be. But we will never, never reach that potential if we do not submit and discipline ourselves and pick up our cross and follow after Him. It is, we have, ministers have done the church a great disjustice, especially in this country, to teach people, just say the little sinner's prayer darling, and then when you die you won't go to hell. We have done people, there are going to be ministers, there are going to be people who have stood up and called themselves pastor. That God never called to be a pastor, but they called themselves to be a pastor. That are going to stand up and they're going to give an account. The Bible says that we will have a stricter judgment. That there are going to be people that God placed them in places and God said, I entrusted you with a treasure and you left it dormant in the ground. You never preached the word. You never told them that they needed to discipline themselves. You never told them that if they're ever going to reach their potential for me, that you can't not, you can't hang out with turkeys and fly with the eagles. God has got plans for us. And if we are going to ignite the city and impact the nation and influence the world, it doesn't come with just being ho-hum little happy-go-lucky Sunday morning church goer. It is a radical lifestyle change. If we are truly making ourselves disciples, people are going to look at you and think you're weird. People are going to think you live different. What do you mean you don't? Oh, come on, man. You, you, little, little, you know, little. They won't hurt. Oh, you know, you know what? You know what the wife don't know. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, anyway, baby. Come on, loosen up, man. Loosen up! You just, you just, you just, uh, you just old fashioned. No, I'm peculiar, and that don't mean weird. It means I'm set aside for a specific task. We don't think it's weird that people that are Olympic athletes don't drink uh, don't drink beer by the gallon and eat deep dish pizza every meal, do we? Why? Because they're training for something. They're disciplined for it. And if they fall off the discipline wagon, it's going to affect their performance and it's going to keep them from obtaining the goal that they want. But people want to think it's weird that you call yourself a believer or you're a disciple of Jesus and you don't want to run out. You don't want to do these things. Doesn't the Bible say that they're going to think it's strange that you don't run after the same excesses that they do? But the sad truth is in this country you can't tell you can't tell 90% of the Christians from the people they work with that don't even know Jesus. Because they're too panty to even bow their head and say a blessing over their food and, th- and receive it with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And I ain't talking about putting on a show. I ain't talking about going to the lunchroom and going, Oh, Heavenly Father! And everybody... Look. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you bow your head, you receive that food with thanksgiving, you thank God that according to His Word that He blesses your food and water and He takes sickness out of your midst in Jesus' name. You speak blessing over it. We need to move from being believers to being disciples because only when you become a disciple, only when you are perfectly trained, only when you have taught yourself to deny myself, to take up my cross and to follow Jesus, only then, and this is going back to that, that verse in Luke, and we're going to finish up, only then, because this is the thing, believers very rarely make other believers. This is what believers do. Believers go, man, if I can just get them to come to the church. If I can just get them to come to church and hear my pastor preach, I bet they get saved. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not a bad thing. Though. I'm not saying you don't invite people to church. But that mentality is, if I can just get them to the nursery, if I can just get the pregnant woman to the nursery, you know, that, that the nursery, they can deliver that baby. When God's saying, I want to use you to birth that baby. God said, I want to use you. God said, this is the thing. As long as you're just a believer and you stay at spiritual babyhood, you're incapable of reproduction. But when you move from being a believer to I am a disciple, there is spiritual maturity and with that maturity comes the ability to reproduce Bible offspring and that's what, the, what he meant in Luke when he said that when you are perfectly trained, you'll be like the master and then you'll be able to get the beam out of your eye and once you get that beam or that plank out of your eye, then you're able to go to other people and say, let me help. you know what, I've been there, I've been worse but, I, but praise God God has helped me, God's delivered let me help you, let me show you a disciplined way and you get the speck out of their eye. And that's what the great commission said It said go preach all the gospel it said making disciples of all nations of all people amen but it starts with becoming a disciple of jesus amen let's pray father we come to you in jesus name lord we thank you for this day father we thank you